Hello. Welcome to Dish Knows Nothing. I'm Michael Dishno. Sometimes we'll talk about stuff, and other days we'll talk about things. Some days we're just going to talk about what's on my mind. This is a warning. Thank you for listening. Welcome. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, um, to an episode of Dish Knows Nothing, Season 2, Episode 8. My name is Michael. I don't know why this would be the first episode you listen to, so I'm imagining most people listening to this episode would know that. There are clearly other episodes that are labeled, listen to this first. But I respect it if you're listening to this first. How's everyone doing? I hope everyone's doing well. It's been a minute since I've actually recorded because the last episode that I had with my guest Kat, phenomenal time by the way, um, was recorded like a month ago. I uh, Actually a month ago today, cause, or no, a month ago yesterday. Because uh, we did it like right before her birthday and her birthday was the 10th and it's now the 10th. So I wanted to get on here and do an episode again. I know I skipped last week and this week I I missed it it a little bit, but you know, I wanted to do one and I will come right out and say the sponsors and then the song of the day. Sorry, just hiccuped because of my coffee. And then I'll talk about what's on my mind. The sponsors consistently, Kasia Randall Jewelry, a honey hive and potentially stance. Um, for reals, guys, you guys should use, for realsies, um, use the discount code of Dishy15. It's with two Y's, and you can get 15% off on Casual Randall Jewelry, which she just gave us some cool stuff. I might become a ring guy. I might, I might, I might do it. I only wear my wedding ring ever. Might get a little pinky ring and, and see if I can pull it off, but, you know, I don't know if I'm there yet. I got the bling on the bracelet and the necklace, but... Maybe I'll be a ring guy soon. I think that'd be pretty dope, but we'll find out. A honey hive. Gonna go check Kalea out later. Uh, my wife is getting a tattoo. If you guys like tattoos, a honey hive is a place to do it. She's fantastic, very artistic. I love her art style. Um, has and has done, you know, I think ninety percent of my tattoos at this point, which I never post about. I'm sorry, Kalea. I know I. I just don't post about my tattoos. I think it's more funny when people are like, oh, wait, you have tattoos? It's too It's too good. Stance, I I love you guys. I'm probably going to go see you guys later. Get some get some socks. Do a little exchange because I uh, got the wrong size, and that's how it is. If you guys didn't know, there's different stance sizes. I love stance. Great place. Well, I like it. Yeah, I guess I like it, actually, but I like the company, too. It's a great company. Okay. Song of the Day. It's a good song. It's called Blessin' Me by Red Hearse. Please go listen to it. I'm actually going to add it to the playlist right now um, because I'll forget, and I'm going to upload this this episode, I think, today anyway, so why not do this all, all right now? Um, I... I'm a big fan of Jack Antonoff. I'm pretty sure I've talked about him many times. 
Um, he's a great musician, great producer. This is apparently one of his uh, one of his projects before. I don't know the timeline. My wife showed it to me, but this I guess came out in 2019. So maybe even in the middle of some Bleachers stuff. Um, but he is very talented. I don't know too much of the other guys who are on it because I, you know, kind of just start listening to their stuff. But Red Hearse, they're a cool band. They got a cool album called Red Hearse, and that song "Blessing Me" is the ending track, and it's a good one. It's a good little groove, and it's got a nice little little hook chorus that is very catchy, in my opinion. So go listen to it, and stay blessed is my thought. On my mind, I only kind of technically have one topic today, but not really. Just want to do a little life update, and I'm going to start by diving right into. The fact that I am creatively exhausted. I am run dry on the creative side. I that's been the main reason I haven't been doing too much in Fortnite. But what did I just say? Oh, you know what? My did I just say Fortnite? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I read your text. That was funny. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. If any of you guys were actually listening, then that probably confused you. If you weren't, then let's just pick up. Um, I haven't been doing much creatively. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of Fortnite. Playing Fortnite with my wife even. It's great. Spending good time with friends through the internets. Um, but you're going to start hearing Bentley and my wife do their thing behind the mic here. Um I'm going to address the obvious because I actually haven't addressed it yet. I'm not doing video. I have come to hate doing video. I, I don't like recording it. I don't like having to think like I have to kind of look presentable in a sense. Um, and I don't like editing it in any way, shape or form. So I'm done. If this affects you greatly, which I would be... Wasn't surprised to hear. Um, let me know. I will send you a high five through the internet and say sorry or something. I don't know. I just it's not something I want to do. It doesn't it would it made the podcast something I don't want to look forward to. And I think it added a bit to my creative exhaustion. Um and so that also leads I'm gonna do like a, a mid season break. I know we're not necessarily mid season, I don't know how long it's gonna be. I also don't know how long the break is going to be, but I need to lay off the commitment of trying to do a weekly podcast in my head for a hot minute. And I will, of course, let everyone know when I'm back doing it. But right now, I have no juice left in my oranges. And I know that's not a phrase, but I don't want to relate it to gasoline because I'm not a car. I know I'm not also an orange, but you know, <sighs> ladies and gentlemen, I also have a song that I've been trying to put out and release, and it's literally done, but I can't even think of what the cover is going to be. Not a clue. I've, I've had multiple friends and designers design things and to be creative. I literally cannot think of a single thing that this, this thing should be, and I want to put everything that I can into it. So I haven't touched it in like two to three weeks. So, um, you know, I think I just need a minute to rest and creatively recoup. 
I'd love to come back and do a lot more podcasts for you guys and be consistent and, of course, have some guests. Speaking of guests, I have such uh, paralysis about planning. Like, I have three guests on my mind. And I already talked to them. I was like, oh, let's do this. And I am terrible at planning and planning ahead. And it makes me, like just freeze up. And so that's why there was actually a bit of a break too. Cause I was like, Oh, the guests, I need to plan this. And then I didn't because I didn't plan it. And then because I didn't plan it, it didn't happen. And then I was like, Oh, well now I don't have an episode and that's what it was. But, uh, I think I need a break. I think a lot of these things that I'm talking about just really hopefully further solidify and help you understand that I need a little bit of a break. Um, and then I'll come back. And then I'll make more podcasts probably. And if I don't, then I'll let you know too what I'm up to, I guess. We'll find out. Probably on Instagram. So if you don't follow me, it'll be confusing. But if you follow me, you'll you'll find out. I have just one thing I want to talk about today though. I did want to want to share, like I said, technically a life update. And, you know, maybe maybe spread some inspiration. I read a book. I had a point in my life and I said, you know what? I'm going to read a book. For those of you who don't know me too well or at all, I hate reading. Let me rephrase that. I used to hate reading. I couldn't stand it through high school. I mean, I feel like my teachers knew I didn't read them, but I still did the work and passed classes. Um, I, I just, I can't stand reading. It's not my thing. Sorry, I couldn't stand reading. It wasn't my thing. I'd grown up and I decided, you know what? I'm going to read a book. I got some book recommendations. I read a book called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? If those of you have heard of it, uh, or no, for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's kind of the basis of the Blade Runner movie. I think the one with Harrison Ford. I got to watch it and find out exactly, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And so I had a great time. It was a shorter book, thankfully, because... I'm working on my attention span, but I'm just, I'm taking time to read. I'm going to read another book coming up. Maybe I'll share about it in the future, but, um, I'm going to give a really bad, uh, synopsis and then review of the book to let you guys know, um, whether or not you'd be interested in reading it. And if you were like, oh, well, I really hate book spoilers. You should, um, you should not, uh, listen to this. And so if that's the case, Goodbye. Until next time. I love you. Um, nah, but yeah, that's that's what it is. If if you're not into it, I'm gonna drink a sip of my coffee. Ah, so good. Um, if you don't want spoilers, I'll catch you later until the next episode. But uh folks, do you do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep novel by Philip K. Dick? Great, great read. Simple, straightforward, um, layered in literary devices that made me think, but not too much because I was able to understand the content of the book. My thing is like I got, to an extent, what I believe is somewhat low reading comprehension. So as I read things, I don't get them. I'm like, I have to picture it in my head. Um, 
so you know I make an image of the main character and I'm like this is what this guy looks like and this is what this girl looks like and this is what this place looks like and then I can like envision envision that um also my wife brought this up the other day and let me know what you guys think if you are a visual person does that mean you need to see it or does that mean you can see it in your head and you don't need to see it visual person curious I think it means that you need to see it. You're a visual person. I got to see it to to understand it better. But anyways, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Long name. It's a dystopian science fiction novel. And I just read that from the internet. So I don't think that I worded that so perfectly. But it's published in 1968. Uh, it's in a post-apocalyptic San Francisco where Earth's life has been greatly damaged by a nuclear global war. Um, the earth is now like covered in this, this dust that like is filled with radiation and takes people out. Uh, excuse me. I guess I had to do that dig. It's always so natural. Um, and so they don't go into like, Oh, this place is inhabited. This place isn't, it's not like a full thing where they tell you everything. Like, I think it's interesting in books. Cause, uh, for those of you who've, who know, I, I, play D&D. I've DM'd a campaign and I'm actually preparing another campaign set in space Viking times. Very interesting juxtaposition there that I'm figuring a lot about. Um, but uh, with that type of D&D type of world or setting, like you have to kind of prepare a lot just in case people want to explore those things. Uh, took me a little bit off guard as again, I'm not much of an avid reader. As I'm reading this book, it's like Philip K. Dick here is just jumping in and saying like, oh, this technology, but he doesn't explain at all what it is, but he uses it in a particular scene and says what it does um, or doesn't even like explain what it does, just like infers what it does or the effects of it. Um, like there is this thing in this book. It is the, I'm going to get the name wrong. So I'm actually going to look it up so that, um, The Penfield Mood Organ. It's a fictional device. Um, and it's used to modify emotional states controlled by the user entering a number on its keyboard. So it, they, he doesn't even explain what it looks like. He doesn't tell you um, much about like like what it is. Um, other than like they just start using it in, in sentences. Like, I don't even remember the Penfield portion. Maybe he says that once in the book and like he just uses it in dialogue where they're like, do you want to use the organ or like the mood organ? And they just like talk about it like you already are supposed to know what it is. And I was like, that's really interesting because if I was in the world that I'm more familiar with of D&D, like you got to explain stuff so people can really be brought along and it's not like left in the tracks of their creative imaginations. In this, I thought it was cool and better for a book, which it's been a while since I read a book. So like, that's just how it is like rolling through and not having to explain everything and focusing on the important things like the story. Um, even though the mood organ can kind of play an important part, but basically the mood organ, like they push a few buttons and it sounds like there's hundreds of hundreds of options. They push a few buttons and then they just are affected by that mood immediately. Like, Oh, and it's like to the point where like one of the moods is like, you just want to sit around and watch TV, but like be content. Or like you could, there can be negative ones. Like you want to sit around and watch TV and be sad and retrospective of your life. Like 
it's very interesting um, the way that it's portrayed. And there's things like that. That uh, So, good read. Book is cool. Here is my bad synopsis. So, there was the first intro scene or two that honestly I got lost on. And then I figured it out what it was to do with later. Hashtag, that's a book. But um, I still feel like I didn't really understand what happened. But there's basically two stories that are going on. Okay. Um, and I kind of didn't realize, and I, for a while was like, are they at different times or are they even in the same universe? Like what is going on? Sippy, sippy. And I was like really confused, but there are two main stories. One of them dealing with who I thought was, who would, who would consider, um, the main character of the story named Rick Deckard. He is a bounty hunter and he hunts androids. It's kind of in this world. Again, the world has ended. They're in San Francisco. There's very little like setting setting. Like I kind of, you have to piece it through, through the whole thing. And I don't know if that's normal or if it's just this writing style. But I didn't really get too much of an idea of where they were or what was going on until like halfway through the book. And I was like, okay, now I get it. Um, But anyways, they're in this setting of like the world has ended. A lot of people have emigrated to Mars, which I kind of pieced together that emigrated is to leave and immigrated is to like come to. So like, I guess if you're on Mars, they're immigrants. But if you're on Earth and they've gone to Mars, they emigrate. Never really heard that word used too much, so put that together. Um, but Rick, he's a guy that lives on Earth. He lives in San Francisco. It's all torn down and futuristic, and he hunts androids for the police department. He's a contractor. He's not necessarily a police, but he's got a badge because they have hired him all the time, and they all know him. He kind of gets word that another bounty hunter that's better than him or at least what i kind of put together named dave i'm pretty sure if i remember right he um dave had an issue and like got put into got into a coma from like some androids and he left all these notes and he found these like other androids and now rick had to take over and find them um the other story that starts to get set up is there's this guy. Where's his name? Where's his name? Wow, this really doesn't. He's like one of the main dudes. John J.R. Isidore. He is what they call. Um, officially, they're called special. A lonely special. A human whose mental faculties have diminished due to the radiation poisoning. In this world, um, they are called chicken heads. Me and my wife have been saying chicken head a ton lately. Um, when you're acting like a chicken head, you're acting like a chicken head. That's how it is. Um, but John Isidore, he works for the Van Ness Pet Hospital. And he works for like one of the best um, uh, android vets. So that intro is kind of one of the, the, the main pieces used in this book to like define characters. Um, 
everyone on earth pretty much has an animal and it's like the pride of them. Like they all got an animal and some of them, you know, they got something as lowly as like a lizard and, you know, some go up and it's like, a, uh, you know, a goat or a horse. And there's a part of it that's like, the reason that these animals are so great is like, they have to do with how you're represented as a person. If you can take care of the animal. So having a living animal is a really big deal because also a lot of animals are pretty much extinct. Like you find out later that owls don't exist, but it's like kind of a a big thing a little bit later on of whether or not owls exist, if they're extinct or not. And so um, basically they intro with the idea that like, hey, Rick has an electric sheep. It's not real. It looks pretty real, but if you like really inspect it, you can find like an electric panel and you know, you can find the wires, and if it has an issue, you got to bring it to a place like Van Ness Pet Hospital to get them fixed because it's just a, it's a robot. But no one knows that, and it's the shame of the town if people find out that you have an android sheep. So, Rick here, our friend, great guy, straight straight shooter to an extent from what we can tell he's not like a dirty cop or anything like that but he 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 hunts androids he's got his laser pipe i think that's what they call it it's not like a it's not like a blaster or a gun it's like a laser tube and i was trying to picture what that really looks like but they'd call it like a laser tube and he's married to iran and they have like somewhat of an all right relationship like it kind of sounds like they go up and down and in the end, he's like, oh, I, I do love her, but, you know, our life is lame. But it's because Iran really focuses on the empathy box, which I think is just another term for that mood organ. So it's like this weird thing where she's not even in the story too much, I think, except for like the really the very end as like one of the scenes that she's in a lot. Um, but of course it, he's, she's on his mind a lot because it's his wife. So you get a little bit of John Jay Isidore. He's a guy who lives in his place alone in his like whole building alone. And then it moves on cause he's a chicken head. And then we go to Rick who's like, all right, chief, where am I going? He's like, here's the notes. You're going up to, I think it's Portland or Seattle. It's one of the two Pacific Northwest places up there, like a city. <laughs> Because one of the main Android uh, manufacturers is centered up there. So he's like, you're going to go up there. You're going to test this thing. You're going to test our test to find out more. Because basically in the Android industry, they used to build Androids that were really easy to, easy to tell. But now they're on the Nexus 6 model and it's really hard to tell. But they have this test called... The Voigtkampf, oh, I'm not reading it, but I'm going to sound sound like I remember it. The Voigtkampf empathy test, because it tests the empathy, the empathetic ability of a robot, because they can't, they don't have empathy for things, or at least inherent empathy. And that's also one of the things that kind of comes up later of like, oh, but do they? Um, so they, he goes up there. He's like, hello, Mr. Rosen. You're in charge of all the Rosen things. I'm going to, you know, do the test today. And he's like, okay, here is my daughter, Rachel Rosen, who is another of the main characters, as we kind of find out. 
and he's like you're actually going to test her first and he's like okay for sure let's test her out they test her and it's like it's an interesting test let me see if i could like find it wait camp test can i can i can i i mean they're just questions they're questions like the heck I want the test questions because I think it's interesting. Okay, so there are things like this. I found some. So it's like basically he tells them, I'm going to ask you some questions or, or tell you some scenarios. I want your immediate responses to them. The lo sometimes the longer you delay it can indicate more so please don't don't take your time it's things like it is your birthday someone gives you a calfskin wallet and the point of this is it's calfskin so it's an animal um i don't remember the answers to all of them but uh basically there is one that i'm not seeing here but it's like you you walk into a room and you see like a rare animal or something what do you do and it's like oh report it to the police because like people shouldn't have two animals or you know they shouldn't have this skin or blah 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 there's some other ones i'll give you the examples you've got a little boy he shows you his butterfly collection plus the killing jar <gasps> i think you're not supposed to have that and so they're supposed to like respond like i would tell the police or like oh i feel bad and they they measure the empathy because they put like little uh patches on people to, to like monitor their heart rate and the capillaries in their face or something like that uh here's another you're watching television suddenly you realize there's a wasp crawling on your arm you're in a desert walking alone in sand when all of a sudden you look down and you see a tortoise that's crawling towards you you reach down you flip the tortoise over on its back the tortoise lays on its back its belly baking in the hot sun beating its legs trying to turn itself over but it can't not without your help but you're not helping why is that Describe in a single word the only good thing that good things that come into your mind about your mother. You're reading a magazine. You come across a full-page nude photo of a girl. You show it to your husband. He likes it so much, he hangs it on the bedroom wall. You become pregnant by a man who runs off with your best friend and you decide to get an abortion. You're watching a stage play. A banquet in progress uh, is in progress. The guests are enjoying an appetizer of raw oysters. The entree consists of boiled duck. So they like try to put people in these weird situations and be like, how does that make you feel? And basically he's talking with Rachel Rosen and he finishes the test and he goes, yes, she's an Android and Eldon Rosen, the, the father and Rachel Rosen go, ha ha ha. We've got you. You are from the police and you think my daughter is an Android. You, your test is invalid. You cannot test anyone else that you have come here to test because she is a human and you have no place here and goodbye. No, no, no. They don't actually say goodbye. They say, let's make a deal because you don't want your test um, being fraudulent or like false to get out there. So let's make a deal because I will tell everyone if you don't do what we say. And he goes, Oh, gosh darn, you have figured me out and you can now have whatever you want. So what do you want? And they go, we just want your silence. We want you to leave us alone. 
will give you this owl. And he's like, what? I thought all the owls were dead. And he goes, they're like, nope, this is the very last one. You can have it if you stay silent. But if we get another owl, we want to breed them. And he goes, arg, I can't believe you have gotten me. And the police yet again, let us strike a deal. And he's like, wait a second. And he sits down and he goes, in his smooth, suave, bounty hunter-esque way, he's like, he stands up and he goes, no, there will be no deal. I don't believe we have much else to talk about. And he goes over to Eldon Rosen and he goes, does she even know that she's an android? And, he, and Eldon just immediately is like, no, she doesn't know. And there's this moment of like, oh my gosh, she is an android. He was right, but they're so good. Um, and his test is real. And he goes, I don't need any more information from you guys. Goodbye. And he leaves. And he goes off to hunt the other androids because his test is still working on the new Nexus 6 because Rachel Rosen is a Nexus 6 model. It's crazy. And so um, he goes on. He goes on to to find these other androids. And there's more stuff that starts to go on with Jay Istor. Jay Isidore finds someone who lives in his building. And it's this like younger girl. And um, he goes down. I don't know how to explain this in like a very not long-winded way. So I'm going to like minimize a lot of it. Because I don't think I need to tell it in a really big way. But basically, there's a bunch of little stories that happen as Rick is finding these androids. He's getting tested. He's shooting them. And like the shooting in this book is very like he shot him. He got him once. He's a good guy at shooting. He got him. There's not like, oh, this blaster battle. He shoots him. He's got them. These androids are so complex that it takes a bone marrow burp bone marrow test to see if they're really androids like he could shoot them blow off their head and they'll still be like but were they really androids so they're like really complex and they're not just like oh we we busted them open and then there's robot parts we figured it out like they got to do testing after so there's like parts where like he kills them and then he's like well now i got to bring him back to make sure and there's even a part where he almost gets in trouble there's one part where um so John J. Isidore meets this young girl and he's like, let's be friends. And she's like really hesitant because she's a young girl in this place. And there's a chicken head that wants to be a friend. Ultimately they start to become friends. Okay. Back to Rick Deckard. There's this part that he is doing the Voight camp test on this one lady called Luba Luft. She's like an opera singer. And it's like, Oh, well, why would she be an Android? She's in plain sight for everyone at this opera house. She's like the star. And they're like, well, I still got to test her because that's what the notes say that she's an android. So he goes to test her and he's asking her these questions and he's like, what would you do? And she's like giving these long winded answers that are very evasive. And ultimately it comes down to the point where he's asking the ones of like your husband, your, your best friend runs off, you get pregnant. And she's like, these are, these are so inappropriate. You're, you're just asking me perverse questions. And she calls the police and he's like, no, I am the police. Like, let me on the phone. And he's like talking to them. And they're like, we've never heard of you. And then there's a moment of, wait, who's the chicken head really here? Because she calls the police. He gets arrested by the police that are like, I've never met you. And he's never met them. And 
he gets brought down the station to this captain and he's like, Hey captain, um, I've never heard of you, but apparently you are down the street from my other police force. So what's the deal? And he's like, I've never heard of you actually. So maybe you're fake and you're a chicken head telling this to Rick. And Rick is like, I, I don't think I'm a chicken head. And so it's the captain, Rick Deckard, and this third inspector, this, this other uh, bounty hunter. And they're sitting in this room and they're like, well, if he's not a chicken head, maybe we should just do our Android test. And he's like, well, we could do the Voight camp. And they're both like, I've never heard of the Voight camp. And he's like, how have you not heard it? It's a standard. And they're like, well, we have this reflex test because androids can't feel the reflex of, or like they can't meet the reflex time of a real human if you touch something on the back of their neck or something. I don't know. They didn't actually end up ever having to do it because as it goes on, the inspector that's in there goes, let me go grab my equipment. He walks out. It's Rick. Bye. Uh, yeah. Actually, no. He's fine. Bye. Um, love you too. My wife has left. Um, but Rick and the captain are in there, and they're sitting there, and he goes, "So one thing's gonna happen, right? Like, your your inspector's gonna come back down, and we're gonna run these tests, and we're gonna find out someone's an android, right?" And he's like, the captain pulls out a gun puts it on his desk and he's like, well, we can talk about this. And Rick looks at him and says, you're an Android. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, so that makes sense. How did, how, how does this happen? And he's like, well, the phone, the phone call, like even when you tried to like, even Rick tried to call his station, it like wasn't existing. They're all in a closed loop on like the line. So there's not a way to reach out. So when Luba called, who is an Android, she called, she called them. And that's why Rick couldn't get out of that that closed loop there. And he goes, well, you know what, Captain? Something's going to happen. He's going to walk down and we're going to find out that someone's an android. Is he an android? And he's like, well, let me put my gun away and let's figure this out. And the guy walks in. They start doing the test. And I feel like before the test even like started on the captain, I can't remember exactly, um, the inspector shot the captain, killed him. And he goes, oh my gosh, we've done it. And now this inspector, who turns out to be a human, is like kind of crazy. He's like, no, I've been hurt before. I'm not taking chances with these androids. Quiet. Bentley. Quiet. Sorry, guys. My dog. My dog. Um, so. He gets some guys. We find out around this time in the John J. Store time. Okay. Um, actually, no. Okay. Right after this, um, Rick gets a call from Rachel and she's like, Hey, you need help. Can I help you? And he goes, You're an Android. I don't trust you. Why would I trust you to help me hunt down Androids? And she goes, Well, like they're from my company, my father's company. I need, to, I need, I want to help. And he goes, No, thank you. We go to John J. Store. He meets this girl finally, this young girl. And he's like, What's your name? And she goes, My name is Rachel Rosen. And I'm like, what the heck? And my brain starts thinking, maybe this is a different time. Are they looking like outside? It turns out they're in the same time. And she's like, oh, but you can call me Pri. Or at least her name is Pris. And I'm pretty sure that's pronounced Pri. But that's the crazy part about books. I don't know. Um, quiet. Quiet. 
We can do it. Oh. Okay. I guess Bentley's going to be in here with me. So he's joining the podcast. He's all aghast. He, we're going to take his necklaces off, though. So he's not loud. Okay, guys? Um. So we're like, wait a second. So this girl is Rachel Rosen. But Rachel Rosen is an android. We go on. We find out in the short-winded version, Rick has pretty much gotten all the androids. He's got them. It turns out there's three left. And one of them is named Pre Stratton, who looks just like Rachel Rosen, apparently. Oh, yeah, Bentley, go. Just chill on the couch. That's fine. Um... And we start to find out in the John Isidore side, the chicken head, that Priza android, two of her friends, whose names I can find, Roy and Ermgard Batty, or Beatty, I wasn't 100% sure. Again, reading, I don't know. Um, they were from Mars, and they all came to Earth together. So Roy is like, or no, Rick is like, I got three people, three more androids. I'm tired. I haven't slept in like three days. He buys a goat. He got some bounty money from the other ones that he's already gotten. And he buys a goat. He gets $3,000 as a down payment. And then he set up for a ton of money a month for however many years. Because these goats are expensive. He buys it. He takes it home to his wife and he goes, I got a goat. And she's like, well, you don't really seem happy. And he's like, well, I'm tired. She's like, you need to sleep. And he goes, no, I'm going to go get the rest of them. So he goes out. He calls Rachel and is like, actually, I need help. And she's like, okay, where do I meet you? And they meet. And he, she's like, well, Rick, I don't actually remember. They, um, don't fall in love, but they have this like, intimate moment and they even they sleep together and they have this thing where it's like she is a robot and she doesn't feel anything but she has done this before and she got him as a human to feel empathy for her so it turns into this thing where it's like oh my gosh i can't believe i've done this you're an android and she's like yeah well i've done this before and i did it with that other inspector and that's why he's jaded and you're like, what? This lady's crazy. And she, though, is like, there's this moment that I, it kind of hit me deep for the purpose of the, the, the book, where, again, the whole question is, do androids dream of electric sheep? Like, do androids feel empathy, and will they get to a point where humans are? There's this moment where they've slept together. He's like, dang, I kind of have feelings for her. But, like... I know that I'm just a terrible person and I'm married and there's this, I don't know, this struggle that's there. But um, she's like, Rick, you know what? It, he's like, I love you. And she says, I don't think she says I love you back. And it's this, this really interesting phrase. I'm going to see if I can find it. Um... Let me see. 
Uh, I'm not gonna find it, am I? Okay, so... She says this thing that basically she's like, Rick, you know, I, I don't feel love. But if I walked into a room of androids and saw your hide draped across a couch, I would register something on the Voigtkampf test. And I think that's like one of the lines that's going to stick with me of the intentions of the book of being like, whoa. She does. Like, they don't ever say, oh, she feels empathy. But, like, they show that she could feel empathy or at least express that she would want to feel empathy. And that was, like, one of the things of the robots that's, like, they don't feel empathy, right? They don't They don't see, they don't feel what humans do. And that's the difference. They're never going to be able to engineer that. But do they is the question, right? So Bentley knows what I'm saying, if you guys heard that. Basically, he's like, well... Nothing's ever going to happen because I'm married. So, like, I'm not going to leave my wife for an android. And she's like, you're right. You should go kill those other androids. Do you want help? And he's like, no. And she goes, well, you should know something. I know those androids. One of them looks like me. And you're like, <gasps> that's why they have the same name. Or at least she said it was the same name. They're made from the same exact model. Long story short, the three remaining androids all make their way to be friends with John J.S. Store, but they're kind of mean. They call him a chicken head. There's a part where he goes outside. Rick has now decided, I'm going to go get them. Later, Rachel. John Jay's daughter goes outside of the, the building that they're in. He finds a spider. He's moving things around um, the, the apartments that they're all like reorganizing. And he finds a spider. He goes back upstairs and he's like, guys, look at this spider. It has all eight legs. And the three robots, androids, the Rachel Rose and Lookalike and the Beatties are their names. They're like, oh my gosh, can it live without some of its legs? And they start like mutilating this spider. John is like shell shock. He's like, how are they doing this to life? This is insane. He has this moment of like, I can't even do anything. Enter in one of the more important scenes of a part of this that I haven't even kind of mentioned. Because I... This part of the book didn't resonate with me, if I'm being honest, Bentley. Stop. This part of the book didn't resonate with me, and I'm intrigued um, about it, but like I, I don't know. Um, there's this concept called mercerism, and it is using, I think, actually the empathy box as well. Again, it wasn't like fully laid out here as the entire like play-by-play every single time. So I kind of got lost on some things Um, where anyone in the world can plug into this empathy box and commune together and share their good feelings or their bad feelings to kind of create create this equilibrium of their own feelings um, centered around this guy, Mercer. And Mercer is this, this figure that every time you do it, you see him climbing up a hill and people are throwing rocks at him. And I think it's kind of endless. Um, we find out later in the book that it's fake and it's debunked and it's like Mercer's not really real. He's this guy named Al Jerry who lives here somewhere. It's all fake. And it's like this moment of like, oh my gosh, is the world crumbling down? Again, that didn't resonate super, super highly with me. If you're interested in the book, you should read it. Let me know what you think. Or if you've read it, let me know what you think of Mercerism. Cause like, 
I I feel like I didn't care about that side of the book um, as much as like cool San Francisco apocalyptic androids. Um, but John has this moment with Mercer and he's left at the end of it with the spider back in his hand through like this spiritual experience. So still shell shock. John goes outside to be like, to get a minute to breathe away from these androids as they just killed that spider that he somehow miraculously has, which like he doesn't maybe have, they don't ever clarify like it's there or it's not. They let you, they let you sit with it. It's kind of interesting. Um, I say they like it's a team. It's just this dude writing it. Um, so basically as John goes outside, he's a little bit upset at the androids. He finds Rick who arrives at the apartment place and he's like, Hey, chicken head. They've never met, but he's like, this guy's clearly a chicken head, chicken head. What's up? And he's like not talking or something. And he goes, the androids killed my spider. And he goes, Oh, this was easier than I ever thought. Where are the androids at? And he's like, I'm not going to say. Because like John was starting to make friends with them. And he's like, what floor are they on? He's like, I'm not going to say. And he's like, fine, I'm going to do this the hard way. But I'm going to go kill them all. And John is kind of like not in the store anymore. Rick goes upstairs. The first one that finds him is the android that looks like Rachel Rosen. So it like kind of goes over quick. And it's like within a paragraph, John is like, or um, Rick walks up these stairs and he hears a noise behind him. And then Rachel Rose and Android jumps on him and he shoots her. And then he has this really, really quick moment that I felt like wasn't expressed enough in like, I don't know. He has this really quick moment of, was it really her? Was it not Rachel? It looks just like her. I feel bad because I'm a human and I love that girl. But it's like, no, it wasn't her. Move on. He goes upstairs. He's like, hey, guys. I am a police and I need to run a test on you to see if you're androids. And they're like, okay, come on in. And they start shooting at him. And he's like, hey, you've shot at me. You have forfeit, 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 you're right. You forfeited your right to me not shooting at you. So he shoots them both like within like a paragraph or two and they're dead. That wraps up so quick. And honestly, in my opinion, this book could have like wrapped up there and been like, he did it, you know, well, okay, no, I, I wish this this last part should have been in there. Um, but it ended weird is what I'm, I'm kind of mean. He got him. And then I think he goes back home or gets a call from his wife. And she's like, hey, someone came over and threw our goat off of our roof and killed it. And he's like, what? What did she look like? And you find out it's Rachel Rosen. So the girl that said you'd be a good a good. I would feel empathy if I saw your dead body um, killed his sheep out of jealousy for his wife or something. And they don't ever say what it is, but I imagined like she was upset with him. She killed his goat and he's like, Oh my gosh, the goat, the, the real life goat that I just bought. How could you have done this? And he's like, I'm so sad. I need to leave. So Rick leaves. He flies to like Oregon in his car and he stands in the dust. It's this place that no one lives. There's dust flying everywhere. He looks down and finds a toad. There's this big moment. He's like, oh my gosh, a toad. So he picks it up. He takes it home. He's exhausted. He's like, wife, look, I found this toad. I'm so excited because our goat is now dead. We spent so much money, but I found a toad. We can have something. 
And she says, wow, toady toad, look at this toad. Oh, look at its electrical panel. And he's heartbroken. This is an electric toad. And she says, Rick, you're tired. Go to bed. He goes to bed and the book ends. And I'm like, hmm. I understand many literary devices. I like to analyze stuff. I wasn't a personal fan of how the book ended in such an abrupt way with what felt like unsettled things. And I understand that books can be used for that. I think that was the intention. I think it was so purposeful that it ended on a note like that. I I just, I don't know how I feel about it is the thing. And I, I, I feel like there's a portion of like, you know, they wanted to leave it ambiguous. They wanted to leave something. They just left it, or Philip K. Dick left it in a way that I don't know how I feel about it. And I don't know if it was intention to leave me and confused but like i think there there would be more intention to leave me like thinking about like i'm not thinking about it i just don't know what i feel about it i'm moving on but i don't know there there's a part where i guess i am you know revisiting like do i feel something different oh no i don't okay move on but it's an interesting book i really did like it there's a ton in it for such a short book i'd recommend it for sure because i really enjoyed that like space apocalyptic san francisco vibe um again i didn't know how much i felt about the uh mercer stuff and making it spiritual but uh i'd recommend it but folks my dog's losing his mind so i gotta get moving gotta get him out of here i'm not gonna throw him off of, of my roof um he's not electric he has no panel but uh he's a cool dog so Guys, again, I'm going to take a break from some potty time. I had to check Bentley, make sure he wasn't pooping as soon as I said that or something. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Keep listening. Let me know how y'all doing. Catch me on Instagram. All that good stuff. Listen to songs of the day. And anything that I mention in these podcasts where I say let me know, let me know. Stay blessed. Thanks again for listening to Dish Knows Nothing. Follow me on Instagram at Dishyman or email me at Dishyman at gmail.com. Hit me up with topics and questions that I can address on the show. Remember to rate and subscribe. It's truly appreciated. Take care and stay grinding.